So if you have your Bible, you can open it to Psalm 121. That's where we'll be this morning. If uh, you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some in the back we'd like to let you take home with you. Um, I'll preach from the ESV this morning, and if you don't have one, the ESV version is what's back there, and seriously, we'd like to give that to you um, as our gift. So uh, take one with you. If you don't have one, just raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you. Um, we got a lot of work to do, so let's get busy, all right? Um, let, me, uh, let me pray and we'll get into the studying of Psalm 121 this morning. God, I come before you now and I thank you for... God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, just the energy that you've given uh, in this room this morning. God, I thank you for... Uh, for your provision in our lives, God, I, I thank you for Psalm 121 and the fact that you are our help, you are our keeper, you are a God who never sleeps, who never fails, who never exhausts. You are our God. God, connect us with your truth this morning. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. So this notion dawned on me this morning, the kingdom of heaven, walking with God is like this. Uh, you walk into a room, and you look around the room, and around this room, it's this huge room, all right? Let me paint this picture. Get a visual of this in your mind. It's this huge, huge room, and, and there are like, uh, maybe like picture the, the Fox Theater, and there's like beautiful murals and, and architecture and, and art on the ceiling and, and, and all the way down the walls. Just everywhere you look is something new and fresh and beautiful, um, and you think about wow, what, what had to be going on in the mind of the architect? What had to be going on in the mind of, of the, the architect, of the sculptor, of all these things? And then you, you kind of begin to look around. You're, just when you're beginning to get, wow, this is really great, you, you see a door in the, back of the, in the back of this room, and you walk over there that door, and you're wondering, should I open this door or not? And you open that door, and it's an even bigger room, an even better room, like more in ornate architecture, more ornate sculpting all these beautiful things are there and then you see that and you just you spend like hours just looking and and every time you turn your head there's something more beautiful and then you you see another door and this is an ongoing cycle you just continue to see bigger and bigger and better and cooler things and I thought about that notion this morning because Psalm 121 is that for us we're going to come upon some things for some of us are going to be brand new and for some of us will be things that, that we've heard before You've probably heard the fact that God is your keeper. But what I hope to do is open us into another room to see more beauty of, of what that means and more ornate architecture of, of what that means and, and how that affects the, the core of our souls. Um, so let's get into to Psalm 121. And before we do that, I, I need to give you a little bit of background. Psalm 121 was written to... The Israelites, that's the people of God, as something for, to, to, to teach them about the journey that they were going to go on to Jerusalem. If you were an Israelite, it was a Mecca for you. Once in your life, you had to make it to Jerusalem. Not, you didn't have to, but it's just sort of like, I really, I got to do this. So you'd make it to Jerusalem. And this psalm was written as sort of uh, something to teach the people as they're making this great journey. So it's a very practical thing for the Israelite people, but the beautiful part about Psalm 121 is it serves not only as practical for them, but a metaphor for us as we're walking along this earth, as we're walking along 
this planet to get to where we're going. And, and here's the thing that I want to remind us, sort of a, a banner over us as we walk through Psalm 121 this morning, is many times we just think about tomorrow or next week or next month. But here's the fact. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, there's something coming for you. It's called heaven. And I, I want to, like, for the, the Israelite walking to Jerusalem, they were thinking, they were enduring the hardships, the difficulties, the, the sun beating down on them in the desert, and all the hardships of, of getting to a long journey. If you guys have ever traveled long journeys with kids, it's hard sometimes, right? Like, I need to stop and I need to go to the bathroom, or I just spilled, or Cooper just hit me, or all those things that happen, and just the, the pain and difficulty of that. But what keeps you going is the fact that you're, you, there's a destination that you're going to. And I think for us, we get so consumed in our lives and what's happening to us that we forget the fact, and I'm here to remind you, and the Scripture's here to remind you, that for those who've trusted in a Savior, heaven is coming. Seriously, Seriously, yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for, Sheridan. I was actually counting on you to, to hit me with one of those. But here's the, the beautiful part. I mean, how many times do we just stop and dream about what that's going to be? I wake up and like, I don't want to get out of bed because I'm really tired this morning. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm tired. My hips hurt. I'm like, I'm old. <laughs> and like, we like to complain about, there's going to be a time where it's not, a, it, it, it's not even there. And we don't get exhausted. There is no tired. There is none of, none of that. There's, there is no, like my evil running against your evil and our evil bumping up against each other in a broken world and all this brokenness that's everywhere. And all this drama and difficulty and hardship and pain and, and divorce and abuse. And it's not going to be there. And we, we've got to look to that. And as we walk through Psalm 121, there's going to be a lot of great things about God as our help and God as our keeper. But ultimately, it's not about that. It's about one day we will be absent from pain, absent from need, do you think about that? One day in heaven, you will have no needs. It's so great. But, and here's the thing that, that really brings this to light. Psalm 121 was written as, as a grouping. So you can't really understand the fullness of Psalm 121 without at least a, a cursory knowledge of what's happening in Psalm 120. So if you have your Bible, I want to read two verses to you from Psalm 120 that kind of help to paint the picture of what Psalm 121 is about. Psalm 120, verse 2. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. And skip down to verse 6. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. This is us. And here's, here's the thing. We can read Psalm 120 and think 
that that is them, the lying lips, the deceitful tongue, those who hate peace. But that is in us. Think back to your last 36 hours. Chances are there's been some deceit and some hating of peace going on inside of your heart. And that, the beauty of that is that this deceit, this pain, this difficulty, this hardship, this evil is ever-present all around us. And you know what it does to God? Nothing. He's still your helper. He's still your keeper in the midst of, of all that you are. Psalm 121. Let's get, let's get to work here. Psalm 121 is a song that is written in verses. So we'll, one and two, three and four, five and six, seven and eight. Those are all each pairs that, that go together. So we'll walk through this together, um, two at a time. First of all, it says Psalm 121 is a song of ascents, which is you're here going there, teaching the soul to lift up. That's what a song of ascents is teaching us here. Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from hundreds of years ago, says this about this verse. The preacher's work, my job here this morning, is to throw sinners down into utter helplessness. They may be compelled to look up to him who alone can help them. Look around your situation. Pray to God that he would give this to you. To show you the utter helplessness of your situation. So that your response to that is to look to God. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 51, 8. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Why do your broken bones rejoice? Because they have caused you to see your help in that. As you see evil and pain in you, as you see evil and pain around you affecting you, say thank you, God. Because those things cause you to see him and his beauty and the fact that he is your help. So I've said this word help a lot and it appears a lot here. What does help mean? It's the Hebrew word Azer. You guys have heard me talk about this before, this Hebrew word Azer. What does it mean? It is an ally, a supporter. It is one who furthers. An ally, a supporter. It's one who furthers. This is God. Here's, here's when, when you see help, I want you to see this. God is for me. God is for you. Do we, do we spend time teaching ourselves that? I think a lot of times we spend time thinking about who God is and how he's like this evil-handed, hard-handed, like God is for you. God is your help. This word azer is, appears in the, the Old Testament more than a hundred times, and every time it's in reference to God except for two. Here comes a quiz. Do you know what those other two times who it's referring to? The wife, Eve. It's talking about your wife. In Genesis, there was no suitable helper for him. It appears two times about the wife. Every other time it's about God. I want to back up and parenthetically insert this. Ladies, if you're a bride, ladies, if you aspire to be a bride, this is your call. As God is to us, as our ally, 
as our supporter, as our one who furthers. This is your call. All right? This is huge for you. And it's your call. There are bilateral contracts and unilateral contracts. A bilateral contract means both parties have to live up to what they're saying they're going to do. This one is not that. The call of a wife is not dependent upon her husband fulfilling his call. The call of the wife is the call of the wife. That's it. Here's your call. You want to give joy, purpose, vision, strength, hope, help to your dude? Be this. Study Psalm 121 to see how God is helping us in the midst of of pain and difficulty and be that to him. Huge. I'm telling you. And this is going to, what this does to the Christian soul, to know that God is for you, he's your ally, your supporter, it makes me want to go and run to him. Put that analogy, that metaphor, into your marriage. God knows what he's doing. He created it. He owns it. He wants to show you himself in it. Live that. Here's the other cool thing about this idea of help. God is our helper. A lot of times, and and we're going to talk in just a minute about how uh, the Israelites look to other gods. For us, we can look to other things to be our help. But here's the beautiful part is one of the biggest and best spiritual gifts in, that is present today in the church is the gift of help. You might have heard that before. It talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians. What is a help? Someone who, who brings help to you. Someone who encourages you to complete a task. That is help. All right? I want you to think for a second. And this is, again, non-rhetorical. I want answers here. I want you to think about someone in your life that you know that has this gift of help. This is the time when you shout a name. Your dad? How's your dad? How did he have the gift of help? Give me one specific instant. Exactly. And here's the, here, I, I want to, we're, we're talking about these specific situations because I, I want you guys to connect with this, to not see your dad as the hero, but see your dad as a man who's been gifted by God to help. So that we see when your dad comes and helps you move, you see Psalm 121. God is my help. He has provided me this man, this is my dad, to serve, to help, to help me to complete a task. This is God. What else? Who else? What? Rachel. (laughs) I was hoping that would happen, that somebody would say somebody in the room and, like, here's Rachel's look. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Give me one specific instant. not stupid yeah 
Perfect. Exactly. And see, here's the exercise that we're participating in right now is to teach us to see that God is our helper by bringing people into our lives. And if there are people who, who exhibit the gift of help more than others, but every one of us is called to be that. And as we are, we become Psalm 121. And when we experience that and we trace it back to God, we worship him. One more. Somebody give me one more. David. Exactly, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked him something and he said no. This, here's, this is what was, this is really beautiful. This is really funny. Caleb is, is like rock, steady, stoic, whatever. Here was Rachel's response when Jen said Rachel. Here was Caleb's response. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. But the, the, the point of this, again, trace this back to God. See him as your helper. So many times we see, we say, I've, I've heard this out of your voice. I just don't see the hand of God working in my life. I just, I need to see, I need God to show up and sense something. And I want to say, a lot of times counseling situations aren't the time to, to be this, but if you and I are ever counseling, know this, this is probably in my head. Wake up! Look around you! Everywhere! Present! Take some time this week to think through the gifts of God and how he has brought people and things and events and stuff into your life to get you along your journey. And again, remember, this isn't a journey to September. So many times we think, if I could just get to September. No, this is a journey to the throne of God. And God brings help along the way to get you there, to further you, to complete that task. God is your helper. That's so big. Seriously. I hope that one of the things of every sermon that I ever preach, I hope is that you write something down that you come back to on Monday or Tuesday that you just begin to just stop and think. I, I, my prayer this week is that somehow God would, would inspire you to just dwell on this idea that he is your helper. It's huge. Skip down to verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Um, This is in... This, is, this verse is at war with the Israelites, and they would tend to, if you read the Old Testament, they would tend to, to run towards other gods and, and give themselves other gods, and those other gods that they went to slept. You might remember stuff in the Old Testament where, he, where a, a smart aleck prophet would say, hey, tell your God to wake up, pray louder because he might be sleeping, because other gods that they would worship and think about and, and whatever would be gods who would sleep. And this is in direct refute of that. Our God never sleeps. And this is the beautiful part about that, is that I love this idea of, of exhaustion. We all, every couple of weeks or every week or so, we have to go to a gas station, we have to fill our cars up with gas. Because the gas 
burns and it exhausts and then it's gone. What is present in the Lord, what is present in our God, does not exhaust. It never is less. It never is less. It never is weakened. His steadfast love never changes. It never ceases. It's always there. It continues. And this is such a, a huge, massive concept for us to connect with. God never exhausts. He never sleeps. His strength, his love, his energy, his attributes, they never fail, they never weaken, they never exhaust. This is your God. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. We've talked about help and keep showed up in verses 3 and 4. He's starting to hammer on here in 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. I want to talk about our metaphor again. These are the Israelites walking to Jerusalem and they're walking through where? It's a desert. So this is teaching them when the sun is beating down, understand that I'm your keeper. I'm protecting you. I got this. And for us, we can metaphorically insert anything that we wrestle with. What is the sun in your life? What is beating down on you? In the midst of that, God says to you, I'm keeping you. Matthew Henry says this, whether every particular saint has an angel for his guardian or no, there's a lot to talk about. You have a guardian angel, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think it's a lot of like metaphorical nonsense that there's not somebody who's following you around like Jimmy Stewart had following him around. All right. There's no clearance in your life. Maybe there is, maybe there's not. It doesn't matter. But what, what does matter is the rest of this quote. We are sure that he has God himself as his guardian. Do you, do you seriously, whether you've got an angel or not, you have God. And God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and the Grand Canyon happened. He spoke, and the Rocky Mountains happened. The oceans happened. Life happened. He spoke, and the cells in your body happened. That's your keeper. That's your God. That's your protector, your guardian. I want to tell the story. There's a friend of mine. I've talked about him before. His name is Ben, and he's in the Air Force, and he... He was in Afghanistan about, I don't know, three years ago, something like that. And he tells this story. Um, in Afghanistan at this point, information was vital. It was the key. And one of Ben's jobs was to go and uh, court people who might be able to help connect him with information. Right? You follow that? Like, make friends, connect with him, you know, serve him, do stuff for him so that he would connect them with information. So one guy promised information. Ben has a boss that never really leaves the base. He stays in the base most of the time. This day, because he thought he was going to get some really valuable information, this guy leaves, which means that now Ben is not the boss on the ground. This guy is, and this guy's usually like sitting in a computer room, and Ben's really worried because this guy doesn't understand like what's going to happen. There could be hardship happening. We could, he could lead us into difficult stuff where we're where we don't want to be so ben's got this in the back of his mind he's walking they meet this guy 
This guy says, you know what? The guy I want to connect you with is we got to walk for about three hours or so around this bend, around this corner, and just follow me. We'll get there. Ben is a little bit worried because it's dusk now, and he knows by the time we get there, it's going to be dark. And he knows that this the guy that's his boss is leading this now, who he has to say, if the guy says we're going, then we're going, even if it's a bad idea. And so Ben knows it's going to be dark. This guy doesn't understand the, the possibilities that, that we could run into here, and this guy could be leading us someplace where we don't want to be led. So it's dark, and they turn around the corner, and now Ben is like, oh my gosh, we're headed right up there, and right up there is this valley. On either side of them are ridges that are about probably 100 feet above the valley where they are. It's like death trap. And it's this leader and this Iraqi guy or this Afghanistan guy and Ben and his, his troops. So they're walking down this valley. And Ben's like, I, I mean, I, there's, there's a good chance I'm not seeing my family again. And there is, because they're in the mountains, They've, they lost communication with their base, so they can't speak to them. The base can't, there's no communication back and forth. And Ben is scared to death. He's about to die. He's a sitting duck, and he has no communication. Here's the other thing, is that there is a, a drone that's up high above them, a camera drone, that, so people back at the base can see what's going on, but nobody there in the, in the valley has any idea that there's a drone up there with a camera. So they get there, and, and they wind up getting to talk to this guy, and they walk back home, and Ben's like, maybe I was, you know, maybe I didn't. I was just overreacting. They get back, and as soon as they walk into the base, everybody in the base runs to them, hugs, and like, I'm so glad you're back here. And they're like, what's going on? What, what? Well, the camera that was above us was infrared. We could see heat. There were 100 men on either ridge with weapons pointing down at you, and for some reason, they never shot. And Ben's like, I knew we were in trouble. I knew it was hard. I, I have no idea. Why do they, and nobody to this day, Ben has no explanation. His superiors and, and his guys on the same level as him have no idea why they didn't shoot. It was probably designed by that informant to take them to that place so they could be killed. But it didn't happen. You know what happened? They were kept. No idea why, no idea how, no idea what. They were kept. This is God. No idea why, no idea how, no idea what happened, what's going on, you were kept. There are so many things in your life you have no idea about. You didn't even know you were in danger. God kept you then. But the purpose, God is showing you, directing you, moving your path to bring you to this idea that I got this. He is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. I I want you to see just a few simple things in these verses. Look at me. There's evil everywhere. Everywhere. Because God is your keeper, it can't harm you. I want you to teach your soul that. Evil cannot harm you. 
your sin and other sin will impact you and at times cause strife and difficulty in your heart and in your life. But God will prevail. You will make it to Jerusalem. You will be in heaven one day. At all times, there will never, ever be any doubt of what is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And your place is kept there for you. First Peter tells us we have an inheritance that cannot perish, cannot spoil, cannot fade. It's kept in heaven for you. Though there's evil, though there's pain, though there's difficulty, though there's, though there's hardship, God is there present keeping you all the time. Look at those words. From this time forth and forevermore. Imagine an Israelite walking along the journey, tired, exhausted, probably blisters, probably children screaming and fighting. This is a reminder. God is keeping you from this time forth forevermore. And the metaphor is for us. There is never, ever a time where God is not beside you, protecting you, keeping you, helping you. This is your God. This is who you serve. Never will you be exhausted because God is there providing. I want to spend the last couple of minutes this morning thinking about this Hebrew word, keep. It's the Hebrew word, shamar. A form of this word, shamar, is used 457 times in the Old Testament. 457 times. That's a lot. Because this is a huge attribute, an unstudied, an underappreciated attribute of our God, that he is our keeper. He is our shamar. Here are a few of the words that, it's, it's, a, it's a subtle, nuanced word. And here are a few of the words that it's uh, translated as. Attend. God attends to you. Think about that phrase. And, and these words are all in your bulletin because I, this is my hope as you take this and you think through the impact of this. What it means to attend. Think about what it means to attend. What who is, go to a, a restaurant and think about your server is there and their job is to attend to your needs for the, for the duration of your meal. You think about what a good server does. They bring your meal hot. They make sure your beverage is filled. They bring you a fork if you drop one. This is attending to your needs. This is God. This is a subtle nuance of this word, keep. He will keep you. He is a bodyguard. That's huge. Just think through the ramifications of God, God, as your bodyguard. Why should you ever be afraid? He's careful. He's careful to keep. Think about what's something that you care deeply for? Your children. Think about for, for those of you with, with older ch- kids, think about the first time you left your children alone at home and the care that you took to teach them what to do, how to do, how to respond, the carefulness with which you raised those children. This is your God. Careful. This is what this word shamar means, and it's a subtle, nuanced word. It means all of these things together. 
God, when we call him our keeper, he is he's attending to us. He's our bodyguard. He is careful to keep us. The next word, confine. He confines us, not in a, like, taking away freedom sort of way, but in a protective sort of way. I'm going to confine you to this thing that's going to keep you, protect you, keep you from harm. And while evil might come and affect you, it cannot, it cannot take the kingdom from you. It cannot take your destination from you. He's defending you. He's defending you. Think about court cases. Think about your military. Think about defense. This is your God. He's a diligent keeper. He is a doorkeeper. He is a guard. He has hoarded you. Think about that one. I think about hoarding. I think about like that ridiculous show. They don't ever want to get rid of anything. This is your God, and you are his prize. He is hoarding you. You are his. Nobody's going to come and take that from me. Think about, what, next time you watch that ridiculous show, think about your God treating you with that. You see this as junk. God sees this as, your, as, as his. He's hoarding you. Seriously. What else? He is keeping you. He's maintained. He's preserving. He's protecting. He's regarding. He's securing. Now I want you to think about Old Testament stories. Think about the the story of Joseph. Let me tell you the story of Joseph real quick. Joseph was was a, a child whose brothers hated him and whose father loved him. And his brothers hated him because his father loved them more than they, he loved them. And so what they did is they sold them off to slavery. But God knew that Jesus was going to come out of this line. So I've got to protect this. I've got to keep Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery, was going to die, but somehow God protected him. He, he nurtured, he preserved his life. Then somehow Joseph rises to, to power. He gets dreams and he interprets dreams of the king and all these things happen to him and then the the king's there there's one of his right hand man potiphar he's connected with potiphar's wife and potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he says no and so potiphar's wife tells him tells all the people that he tried to rape me and and so joseph has to go into prison but god protects him there and then god tells joseph a famine is coming you need to store things up god's protecting keeping there's a famine coming. You need to, to hoard up goods so that when the famine comes, the, your nation will be able to eat. And so they do that. And so all the other nations around aren't ready for the famine to come. And so they come to this nation to get food. One of those people in that other nation is Joseph's brothers and his dad. They're all going to die, except God had kept Joseph. And so the, the big finish is that now Joseph's brothers, who once wanted to kill Joseph, are being saved by Joseph because God kept him. And Joseph is now still alive because of the keeping hand of God, and the line of Jesus is still alive. 
So many different stories that way. Moses, think about his story and think about how the ridiculous things that happened in his life to protect him. Think about Noah. Think about any Old Testament figure. And chances are God was weaving, and think about Ruth, weaving and orchestrating events to happen to keep them so that one day Jesus could come and bring the kingdom of heaven. And that's the whole point of, of all of this. That's the whole point of this word shamar. God is keeping you so that Jesus can come. God is protecting you so that we can connect with the heart of Jesus. Everything is pointing to Christ. The purpose of your keeping, the point of your keeping, the point of the help of God is here. Jesus Christ. All that we are, all that we'll ever be, all that we hope to be found in Jesus. Let's pray and worship that Savior. God, I come before you and I'm so grateful for who you are. God, I'm so grateful for your protection, your provision over us, over me, God. I love you and I trust you, Father. You are our keeper. You are our help. All these things you have brought to us to get us to see you, to see your son, Father. Lord, we give this time of response over to you, Father. Do with it as you will.